0: You're listening to Holland Christian Medium Talk.
1: You know, the my the first thought when I was asked to do it was, why would I want to do this? That lasted for about 10 seconds. <laughs> and my next question was, why wouldn't I do this? I love Holland Christian.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to an exciting episode of HC Medium Talk. We've got co-host Cam Houck. Hey, and- guys. And our special guest, Dr. Indrum Superintendent, Dr. Jim Boltman. Good afternoon. Hey, this is so exciting. We're really grateful for you to take some time to chat with us. Um, so let's just start with, can you give us just a little glimpse, assuming some of our families don't know who you are, where you come from, give us just a little picture of Dr. Jim uh, Boltman.
1: Okay. Well, thank you. Well, I grew up in Fremont, Michigan, proud of uh, my heritage. I grew up, uh, went to Fremont Christian schools through the eighth grade, that was, uh, didn't have a high school at the time, so then went to Fremont High School after that. Uh, Grew up in the Second Christian Reformed Church and was involved in athletics, and it was a great experience for me. I loved Fremont. It was a Goodly Heritage. And then after uh, I graduated from high school, I was kind of all set to go to Ferris uh, State on an academic and football and baseball scholarship. I, oh, wow. I really wanted to be a pharmacist. And then I had uh, two of my teachers, my math teacher and my choir teacher, said to me, this was after graduation of my uh, from Fremont. And they said, you know, we just don't think you're a Ferris State kind of guy. We think huh. you ought to go to Hope. Hmm. And so I said, well, I have these scholarships and, at Ferris. And, and they said, no, no, you should go to Hope. And so my math teacher, I think, went down and talked with the financial aid director oh, huh. at, at Hope and got me an academic scholarship to major wow. in chemistry. So that's what I did. I majored in chemistry, minored in uh, math and German. And then took a teaching job in Portage, Michigan. I taught chemistry for three years, then became assistant principal at what was then the new Portage Northern High School. Hmm. Did that for two years and then came back to Hope as a professor in the education department.
0: So this was, uh, say it again, it was a math teacher? Two teachers mentioned something to you?
1: Uh, Yeah, it was my math teacher and my choir teacher.
0: Okay. Okay. That, I mean, I just think about, so being a teacher, they said, you know, a couple words, hey, this is, and now hope has been such a huge part of your story. Yeah. I'm sure they got they no clue in that moment, just how big of a trajectory right. this would begin for you.
1: Sure. Well, Ferris had a very good pharmacy sure, program. Sure. Ferris was very strong in that area. But hope gave me a very well-rounded education. Hmm. I, you know, given the fact that I grew up in the Christian Reformed Church, I probably should have gone to Calvin. Hmm. But I thought I wanted to play college football, and I thought my chances of playing football were a little better at Hope (laughs) than at Calvin, since they didn't have a team. (laughs) So, But Hope was a great experience for me. I had some terrific mentors there, and... uh, and really enjoyed the, the Christian dimension of it, especially.
2: My uh, my dad actually grew up in Fremont. Really? And his dad, my grandpa, went to Ferris, I believe. Okay. So, oh, wow. yeah. Very so, cool. Cam, you didn't tell me your last name. Houck. Houck, okay. H-O-U-C-K. It's a little weird. Oh, is that how you say it? I've been okay. saying it wrong this yeah. whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Seems like there should be a W in there. Yeah, right. But.
0: So... Dr. Bowman, you might not remember this, but we were next-door neighbors at Hope College. Really? I was on the second floor of Durfee Hall in the RA, kind of that room on the end. So we were neighbors for right. a whole year. And then I had to move because your music was just too loud, and I thought, I got to get some studying <laughs> done. Yeah,
1: yeah right. Yeah, the men of Durf. They always, the just, man of they Durf always Durf. have a way of pushing the blame elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, no, not when I was there. Very well-behaved. Uh, excellent. Sure, I, I know. <laughs> So I know, ta- We loved you guys, so it was great. How long did you serve as president at Hope College?
1: For 14 years.
0: 14 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, for me, were always someone, and I know this isn't just true of me, but even mentioning we were doing this interview at the lunch table today, somebody who's who's a man of character, somebody who's a strong leader. Are you able to to just share a bit of some of the wisdom you've gleaned over the years, uh, anything that you, that you're looking back over your story, kind of those standing stone moments where you made some decisions about who you wanted to be?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I, you know, I'll just share kind of my story from, from hope to, um, yeah. Northwestern College, where I served as president also for 14 years. But Oh, really? I, was, I mean, I loved my job at Hope. I was teaching in the education department. I was coaching. I was assistant football coach and head baseball coach. And I was also ultimately dean for the social sciences. And so I got to do all the things I really loved to do. And I could never say that I felt I was... Better or worse at one or the other, I liked all of them, so when this call came to go to Northwestern, I really didn't want to do it, um, even though it was you know professionally an advancement to become college president, obviously but i was I was happy at hope Our kids were at Holland Christian, they loved being here. My wife was teaching special needs students at West Ottawa. We just purchased a a kind of a lifetime dream home on Lake Michigan and life was really good <laughs> we thought Well then came this call to go to Northwestern and I you know I didn't really want to do it but we had this our kids were old enough so that they had some input into this decision I really felt that they could share in this and so I drew up a questionnaire of about there were 15 questions as I recall and I asked each of the four members of our family to respond to it, and the questions were like, "Where would you like best to go to school? What would you, where would you like to live?" Uh, so forth. So I collected them, and all four of them were exactly the same. We did them in, we wow. scored them independently, but all fifteen questions were identical, and there was only one question that was the one that was the trump card. And our daughter, Heather, who was going to be a sophomore at Holland Christian, said uh, when I revealed that 14 of the answers were stay in Holland, and only one was to go to Northwestern. And our daughter said, but are all of these questions weighted equally, or are some more important (laughs) than others? And the big question was, where do you think God wants you to be? And all four of us said Northwestern. <laughs> and so on the basis of that, on the basis of that one question and Heather's response to it, we went. Wow. And, I love that. And 14 to, to 1, but the 1 t- outweighs. Right. And we took a pay cut to do it. Marty didn't have a job. Our kids didn't know anything about the school, but we really felt that God wanted us to be there. And so, and it turned out it worked out okay for us, yeah. but it was it was a hard move for us. Orange City was quite a bit different than Holland. I mean, it's much smaller, and uh, but the wonderful people. And the big thing I would say to young kids when you get job opportunities, and everybody will have, I mean, Holland Christian kids, every one of them will have opportunities to do different jobs. And how do you determine... What it is that you should do, you know, where should you use your skills and abilities? And I think that is a big question, you know, where does God want you to be and where can you make the most difference in the kingdom? Those are the two big questions. And sure, money's important, status is important, but the big questions are the ones I mentioned, you (laughs) know, where does God want you to be and can you make a difference or not?
0: You mentioned your faith playing such an important role in that move. Are you able to give us any sort of if I if you were to be asked like why are you a follower of Jesus, Doctor Bolt? Like why? What is it about this Christianity thing that you've said? Yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Any? In-
1: yeah. Well, I mean, I grew up in the I grew up in the faith. Uh, in growing up in Fremont, it was church twice on Sunday. It was young peoples on Monday. It was catechism on. Wednesday, uh, it just became a part of my life. But I would mention one person who was instrumental, and that was Henry Bodie, my Sunday school teacher. There were nine boys in my class and only one girl. The girl Sharon Dyke, Dyke, Dykeman unfortunately passed away in the third grade. Of um, she had dia- she was a diabetic, hmm. but there were nine of us in the class, and every Sunday, I mean. Every Sunday, not just once in a while, but every Sunday, Henry Bodie would would end the class by saying, when are you guys going to make profession of faith? And so this this became something that was every—it never grew old. It was always the same question. And so when I was a junior in high school, I made public profession of faith, and it's— I'm a follower of Jesus through and through till the day I die. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, you know, not every day is a great day, but every day in Christ is a great day. And so that's a commitment that I made, and I'm not going to waffle on it. Mm.
0: Another important commitment, you mentioned your wife, Marty Boltman. Uh, are you able to tell us how you guys met? I know that wasn't one of the questions I sent you, but are you yeah, willing to give us a sure, little bit of of course. Story?
1: Well, um, Marty came to Hope from uh, Northern California, from San Francisco really, okay. Oakland Bay area. And she came from a family that was unchurched. She was a Christian uh, and her parents allowed her to go to church, but it wasn't a family that went to church. But Marty picked Hope College out of a list of colleges when she was a high school senior, and Hope was listed, I think, as sixth or seventh among the the best Christian liberal arts colleges in the country. And on the basis of that list, Marty applied and came to Hope sight unseen, never visited, wow. uh, didn't have, didn't know a soul here, anyone, and. I remember sitting in my calculus class when I was a freshman and I thought I saw this girl walk by on the campus. Of course, Hope was smaller than you had about probably 1500 kids. But I thought, "Boy, that's a that's a nice-looking young woman." <laughs> I, mean, I probably wasn't paying too much attention to calculus right then. <laughs> yeah. But um but I was I was so timid I didn't dare to ask her out, but then one of my probably my best friend on the football team kind of Arranged for a blind date on okay. when I was a sophomore. And then one thing led to another. And we got married, I think, eight days after we graduated from Hope. Oh, nice. Wow. And, and so we've been married now for 56 years, which is a good long time. And she still puts up with me.
2: <laughs>
1: I would say this about Marty. I mean, I've had a lot of opportunities to be in leadership positions. I've generally got a lot of accolades for it, most of them probably not deserved. But in the final analysis, I think what my wife has done in the area of special needs children will far surpass what I've done. And uh, her career, she's written uh, Christian catechism programs for special needs children that Mm -hmm. are published throughout the world. Many different really? languages, and that's that's her lifelong commitment, which she really made at Hope. Uh, she started working with special needs children in the Holland community, and Hope didn't have a special ed program at the time. But ultimately, she was certificated in um, mental, what was called at the time mental retardation and emotional impairment and learning disabilities. They have different names for them. names that are a bit more acceptable at this point. Than they were initially, but um, that's been a lifelong commitment of hers.
0: Hmm, What a legacy! I mean, that's that's pretty incredible, right? Um, Cam, I'm going to tell you something. This is not a this is not a secret, but maybe you don't know. There is a gigantic building at the heart of Hope's campus. That's give me the correct name, Doctor. What was the Jim and Marty Boltman Student Center? Correct. 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 Mm-hmm. This man's got his own center. We sure should be doing enough. this podcast there, we I sure think. End.
1: No, wow. that's that's always humbling, uh, especially when they kind of do it when you're still there. Yeah. You know? yeah. Usually they can do these things when you're dead. It was probably a little more <laughs> little more embarrassing, actually, at Northwestern, because I was still a sitting president when that building oh. was built. uh that was an athletic center, okay. uh, and so forth. So, so did you but just those hang are, out
0: there sometimes after school? You just go hang out at the at the Boltman Center and <laughs> yeah, meet I used people,
1: to or? play racquetball there. <laughs> and, uh, you guys know things. this
2: is my place. Every time yeah. I walk in, so all yeah, right, you control who goes in and out. Yeah,
1: but that was kind of that was a bit humorous too because, um, I remember asking my administrative assistant Beth DeLeo. I said, Beth, I could you. Get uh, John Greller to uh, come and see me for just a few minutes. He was our development director. And she said, No, he's meeting with the executive committee of the board. And I kind of thought, Oh, gee, shouldn't I be meeting with the executive committee of the board? I mean, what's happening here? You know, is this a coup? So, right. And Uh-oh. so then when John came back, I said, He said, Well, this is the story. Uh, Several members of the board got together, and they said they wanted to name this building after you, and they would put up X million dollars to do it, and but they didn't think you would maybe accept it. And so they said, you tell Jim that if he accepts and lets us put his name on it, then we'll give these multi-million dollars. If he says no, the money's off the table. (laughs) So I wow. said, well, that's not really too hard a decision. I guess I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, And I was very pleased that that building also is named after Marty and me. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And because Marty's been a big part of this, and I was a college president, privileged really to be a college president for 28 consecutive years. And you don't do that unless you have a supportive, understanding spouse. And Marty certainly has been that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you've got couple buildings named after you. You're, you're president of college, now superintendent of, of our school, um, all kinds of really successful roles you've been in. I'm just curious, and, and hopefully this is an appropriate question, but can you think of maybe a failure that uh, that... I don't know mm-hmm. how to say it, that you
1: were a part of. For sure. That,
0: that maybe is something uh, that, that was a, yeah. a learning experience for me. Right. Sometimes those can be right. helpful to... to
1: well, I've been, I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by quality people. So yeah. there fortunately aren't a lot of them that I could cite right now. But there is one that was very, very meaningful for me in my career. And that was when I went to Northwestern, uh, the school was... Uh, uh they had a declining enrollment and i was there for the first year and i thought i could fix it didn't fix it the second year didn't fix it i mean i tried mm. but it kept going down and having been kind of part of mostly successful things this really bugged me mm-hmm. and so i remember i can remember to this very day marty said Jim, um, we're going to to a family get-together in Oregon, and it's going to be for two weeks uh, with my family. And I said, well, I'm not going because, and she said, because why? And I said, because things aren't going very well here, (laughs) and I need to stay and work. Hmm. And for one of the very first times in our marriage, Marty put her foot down very hard and said, we're going and you're going Mm -hmm. with us. So I went, and when I came back, the whole world at Northwestern had changed. Our enrollment—we had fifty more students than we thought we were going to have, which was really big financially for us. Uh, fifty students at that time was probably worth about a million dollars wow. to our budget, and it was as if uh, it was as if God said to me, "Look, Jim Boltman, I can do this all by myself. I don't really need yeah. you to increase the enrollment here." And that was a real live experience for me where I realized that God really does everything. We're just his his servants to to serve and to do the best we can but we're just the instruments that make it happen. God God directs our paths. And so um, I said to our vice president for finance, I said to Wayne Coiker, Wayne, wouldn't it be great if we could have an experience like this every year mm-hmm. where we don't have to worry about the budget, we're just 50 students over? And he said, well, we could, of course. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said... He said, well, this is what I propose. For as long as we're here together, and this would have been for the next 12 years, we're just not going to budget for those 50 students that God sent us this year. And for the next 12 years, we never did budget for those 50. Hmm. And so every year when we fixed the budget, we knew we were going to have a million dollars surplus, basically. And so every year, we just kind of celebrated. Yeah. God gave us 50 oh, extra students nice. at a time when we really needed him to do it. <laughs> yeah. How so, cool
2: is that? That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. I love that story. Um, so you, I'm interested to know, you go to Hope, and then you have a family here, and then as soon as you kind of feel like you're settling down, you have to move again. And then you come back here. How did that happen? How did you end up coming back to West Michigan and Hope, Holland Christian? How did that all work out?
1: Yeah, well, that, that's also a neat question. Um, I mean, I could have stayed, we could have stayed at Northwestern for longer time, finished out my career there, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and it would have been very comfortable for us to do it. I think when when I received what I perceived as a call from Hope to come back as president, um, it, it seemed like the right thing to do. Obviously, mm-hmm. we bathe all of these things in prayer. I can remember even saying publicly when I said goodbye at Northwestern in a chapel program, I said, I know my own constitution. I know how... Uh, how much this is going to demand of my time and especially my emotional energy to really, I wanted hope so desperately to be the Christian liberal arts college that I knew, that I thought maybe had drifted away from it a bit. And I said, you know, this, and I said this to Marty, I said, this, this could kill me. You know, I, I really know how much I could get involved in this. But I said, some things are worth dying for, and the soul of hope is one of them. And so we came back. Hmm.
2: And then after those 14 years, did you retire, correct? I did retire. (laughs) So now you're in an office at a Holland Christian as the interim superintendent. Why come out of retirement?
1: Okay. Well, first of all, I don't consider this to be a downward step for me. Mm. This, this is a privilege for me to occupy this position, even on an interim basis. I've always looked at it that way, and Marty did too. And so this was, you know, the, my the first thought when I was asked to do it was, why would I wanna do this? That lasted for about 10 seconds. <laughs> and my next question was, why wouldn't I do this? Mm. I love Holland Christian. This is a school where our, our kids went, and they had great experiences here. This is a place that I served on the board for a while back Mm. in the 70s. And I thought I could make a difference. Obviously, I wasn't positive about that, but I thought I could make a difference. I knew I was willing to invest uh, all of my time and energy into doing it the best I could. And I'm surrounded by quality people. I mean, Holland Christian has a wonderful heritage. It's just a... A a great legacy of tremendous people that have been here. A lot of them who have sacrificed parents and others sacrificially to send their children here. And so I'm thinking, why wouldn't I try to do this the best I could uh, for for the time I have? So it it wasn't a hard decision for us.
2: Gotcha.
0: That was the new year last year that you began, right? That was mid-January of
1: 19, right?
0: How would you describe your experience so far? No, mid-January of, yeah,
1: mid-January of 19, that's
0: right. Okay, that's right. How would you describe any adjectives you'd use to describe your time here so far?
1: Very fulfilling. Um, I feel privileged to work with the people that I work with here. They're very talented people. Uh, God has blessed the institution over the years, and I'm confident that if we are all faithful to him, that he will continue to bless all in Christian. So every day I get up and I say, how can we make this place even better? I don't say, how can we make a bad place better? I say, how mm-hmm. can we make a really good
2: place even, even better? better? And so that's, that's kind of my passion. You're passionate clearly about education, sports, um, working with others. Are, what are some other things you would consider to be your passion that really like not necessarily define you, but that you want or like to devote your time to.
1: Okay. So, I mean, I do love education. I've been involved in it mm-hmm. all my life. Um, I I love to see students and faculty pr- perform at the highest levels. And yeah. so uh, I, I always say I'm, a little bit better at raising money than I am at spending it, mm-hmm. although in education there are a lot of people who love to spend it, so this hasn't seemed to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no dearth of uh, where money can be spent. So I, I like to raise money. Uh, probably um, it's more difficult for me to spend it unless it's something that will be for students and mm-hmm. for faculty. I love to spend money on students and faculty cuz a lot of times it takes money to make programs the best they can be. Yeah. So um I you know I love education, I do love sport. I was privileged to play both football, well football, basketball and baseball in high school and football and baseball in college and then coach football and baseball. So you'd think the guy probably likes sports. I'm pretty competitive. <laughs> yeah. I, I really do like sports. I think it teaches a lot of lessons. I don't think that sports should be the end all, though. I mean, mm. I think that um, you know we're, we have sports in high school because we think it teaches lessons. It's really an, yeah. an educational experience. Definitely. Very few of our kids will go on and play professional sport. Uh, so we shouldn't be trying to make them into professional mm-hmm. athletes. Sure. We we should be trying to create a great experience for them, and an experience that um, complements their their education. Yeah, I've also grown to appreciate uh, what I would call co-curricular activities or extracurricular activities mm-hmm. in a lot of things besides sport. You know, I was I was blown away this year. How many kids at Holland Christian are involved in theater? Mm. And this is this does the same thing for students that are interested in that as it does for others who are interested in athletics. Yeah. It's it's part of a team. You're there's camaraderie, there's working toward a common goal. It's mm-hmm. preparing, it's it's producing, mm-hmm. it's it's getting nervous for yeah for, for all these things, you know, and, and the adrenaline flows. And so I love that part of it. So I over the years, probably more than initially, I really like uh, musical events and theater events and robotics or anything that um, kind of stretches kids to perform at their at their highest level, mm-hmm. and so and I think I'm I'm passionate about the Christian faith. I I worry about our world, our country, about uh, our community with all of the things I see happening that are. Kind of contrary to biblical teaching, things that um, occupy our time and energy without bathing things in prayer to f- to try to discern what direction God would have us go and that's that's a a big concern for me uh, for the way the world is going, seemingly less and, less and less dependent on Almighty God for. Our actions, maybe less and less paying attention to Holy Scripture uh, and what is taught there, and so I'm pretty passionate about about that part of it too. And to be able to combine, um, you know, your Christian faith with your passion for education and all the activities that go with it, well, doesn't get much better than Mm -hmm. that. And I I could just close by saying, there's. Another college president asked me one time, uh, and this was near the end of my college career. He said, "Jim, how how do you stay how do you stay refreshed for this long time?" He said, "I've only been a college president for four years, and I'm totally exhausted. You know how do you, what do you do to to stay fresh and?" And he said, "Do you take sabbaticals?" And I said, "No, nah, I don't really believe in sabbaticals for mm-hmm. college presidents. Uh, you know you." You might come back and things have changed. They may not want you there anymore. You yeah. know? Uh, and he said, well, do you take long vacations? And I said, yeah, not really. You know, we we take a day here or there, but we don't really go on any long vacations. So he said, well, so how do you stay renewed? And I said, spend more time with students. Mm. That's the key. Spend more time with students. I mean, college kids, high school kids, middle school kids, I mean, these, these invigorate me. Uh just to see them perform the way they do so
2: so within these passions and stuff and everything you've invested time into can you think of a moment where you were like something you've maybe questioned but decided to do anyways and it was for the better
1: yeah well i mean i must admit that the lines have fallen to me in very pleasant places i've Mm. been very very fortunate by god's grace and goodness. Uh, I've had, my parents were wonderful. My family's been wonderful. Uh, so are there things that I wasn't sure how they would turn out? Well, I mean, going to Northwestern was a big yeah, risk for I'm me. Sure. I mean, you don't uproot your whole family, especially when one of them's going to be a senior and the other mm-hmm. one's going to be a sophomore in high school. Uh, unless you think this is going to work out, but. This, I probably shouldn't admit this, you'll think I'm a wimp, but I'll do it anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty... Just us here. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm willing to be vulnerable, even on this podcast. So when we left Northwestern, I said to Marty, as we were leaving town, I said, So what will you remember most about being here? And without hesitating, she said, Jim, what I'll remember most is your sitting on the bed, edge of the bed. Now, you remember I was 43 years old when Mm -hmm. I first came there, sitting on the edge of the bed crying and saying, this college is going under and my career is going to go with it. Now, that was the selfish part about my career, but I just didn't know if it was going to make it. Mm. And so that was... That was kind of a, a tough time for me and for our family. Uh, what what it taught me, however, is that God is faithful. God can do far beyond what we expect or imagine, and that there was no way God was going to let Northwestern go under. Yeah. But you know, in my own human frailty, I wasn't convinced that it wasn't going to yeah. go under. So that was a, that was a pretty sober moment when mm-hmm. you hear your wife say, you know, what I'll remember is you sitting on the edge of the bed crying. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, geez, what a wimp. Doesn't, <laughs> yeah. doesn't my wife think more highly of me than that?
2: <laughs> so yeah, that was one cam that I will really, really remember forever. If you could go back and talk to your high school self, what is one thing you'd tell yourself?
1: I would say that when I grew up as a kid, the thing that my mother always said to me, whenever I would say I have a big game or a big test, the comment that I always remember her saying to me was, just do your best. That's all we expect. And then she would always close with the next line, but we don't ever expect anything less than your best either. (laughs) And so I I was fortunate to be a, a good achiever in a lot of different areas and schoolwork would, was, i worked at it, but I, would, I was fortunate to be successful at it. And, and I would say that one thing I would say always is always do your best yeah. and always try to do the right thing, whatever that is. I mean, as Christians, we know what the right thing to do is. And as people, I would always say, do your best and do what's right and things will go well for you and i was fortunate to have some great education a christian school public school most of my teachers were strong christians pope college most of my professors were strong christians um, in my career i've been around people who are strong christians i've had good graduate school stuff but i would say and this is probably for all the mothers who might be listening or. <laughs> people that are about to be mothers or hope someday they'll be mothers. And that is that what I learned at my mother's knee trumps everything that I learned from everyone else and every class I ever took. And those, those things were honesty, integrity, treating everyone with dignity and respect, regardless doing your best, doing the right things and You don't ever do anything that tarnishes the Boltman name reputation, Mm -hmm. Doctor
0: Boltman. That reminds me of a story I heard you tell when I was, I think, a sophomore in college about an incident in your fraternity. Um, Do you know what story I am talking about? I do. Would you would you be willing to tell us? Sure.
1: Well, um, I was one of the things that I really appreciated that my parents taught me growing up and probably my teachers and coaches too is never be afraid to stand up for what's right and and sometimes you do that at the risk of friendships and other things but uh, when I was a sophomore in college there was a big uh, drinking party at Hope and I was not inclined to do that, so I didn't go to it, but a lot of my fraternity brothers did. And when I came back in the fall, there were a lot of my fraternity brothers who had been suspended from all social activities because they were engaged in this drinking party. And that meant that that. I was shifted to a different position in football. I, I was now a running back and ultimately quarterback when I was playing my first two years as a defensive halfback. And th- they, there was um, the dean of students actually had come to me, uh, I think, when I came back as a junior, and we, fa- we had fewer football players than we did before. We lost every game uh, that year because we played basically freshmen and sophomores instead of juniors and seniors. And so he asked me if, if I thought he had done the right thing by suspending these players because they broke the rules of the college and of the team, uh, if, they, if he had done the right thing by suspending them. And I said I thought he had, that the rules were rules, they broke the rules. Painful as it was, there was a penalty, uh, and then that was his responsibility to to meet out the, the punishment. And then one night uh, in that junior year of mine, I went to uh, a fraternity literary meeting on Friday. They were usually on Friday nights, and and the president of the fraternity said that um, you know this this suspension, uh, you know, one of our brothers uh, even told the dean that he thought it was the right thing to do. And he said, I'd like to know who that is, because they certainly wouldn't be a friend of mine. And so in that moment, I had to decide whether I would identify myself or whether I would stay silent. And I thought in the For the sake of integrity, I stood up and I said, I'm the person. I thought that he did the right thing uh, based on what happened. And I'm not afraid to tell all the rest of you that I think he did the right thing. Did it pain me to have him do it? Of course. Uh, But he asked me and I told him. And I would say that to you. Uh, You know, the rules are rules. Everybody knew the rules. The rules were broken. So there are penalties. And so I I knew at that moment that I was not afraid to stand up for what I believed was right, even though it might hurt. And it hurt me to tell my fraternity brothers that, to admit that I was the person. But I think it was the right thing to do, and I did it.
0: Yeah, I don't know if there's a more valuable lesson than that for our audience. That's such an applicable, still, I mean, of course, to this day, it's such an important story that highlights the, the importance of character and integrity. So we're grateful, Dr. Boltman. Time's running out here. Uh, one more question, if it's okay. Sure. Snow day prediction for the 2019 oh, 2020 very school important year. Question. What are we thinking here? Are we talking double digits? We
1: have to go 11-day streak this year or <laughs> uh, Sorry to disappoint you, but I'm hoping that maybe if we had no snow days this year, then we'd average out to about five or six, and that's probably about where we should be. <laughs> <laughs> it seems a little There's going to be some
0: disappointed <laughs> students out there, but mm, I yes. think you have our support. I think you're right yeah. about that.
1: Oh, well, I was going to say that when I first came here the first week, I think it was one of Mrs. Reamer's class, fourth graders at Pine Ridge, mm-hmm wrote me all kinds of little notes and of course the the big big one on there was uh <laughs> we hope that as superintendent you'll call a lot of snow. Yeah. <laughs> so i do remember that one and, and unfortunately we did have a bundle of them but so they I, all loved i know i know this I know. is all because There's of dr bolt right, right there. Yeah. Yeah. you know i i'm a big believer in time on task makes a difference So if you want to be better in math, you spend more time on it. Mm -hmm. If you want to be better as a writer, you spend more time writing. And so to call off school days more than you'd like really does hurt the learning process because, you know, like, hey, 10 days is 1 18th of how many days we should be in school. So you figure, well, we lost some time on task here. And I think I would say most teachers feel that way. Now, everybody kind of likes to have a day off oh, now yeah. and then. So that's sure. that's the fun or part of it. And seven. I'm probably no different than all the rest of you in that regard. But it does hurt when you have a whole bunch of days off mm-hmm. and you don't, you don't learn as much as we'd like you to learn. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. from
0: the teacher perspective, we always have to think about, so what do we cut now? I mean, right. if you have sure. to lose sure. sometimes right. essential parts yeah. of units just right. assign and more that? home. Yeah. i mean don't sure, yeah. don't do that <laughs> sure.
2: no I'm, I'm sure that's good for the students here i guess <laughs>
0: thank you so much for being willing to meet with us for having this conversation yeah we, we respect you and and love you and we're so thankful you're here
1: well it's a privilege to be here like i said and thank you for having me on your program it's an honor for me to be here and i wish you well for uh this, this year, which I think is going to be a great year for Alan Christian. I'm excited about it. Cam, you're going to have a good senior year, oh, I can tell you. yeah, go maroons. <laughs> yeah. Teacher Bryant will also have a very good yeah. year, okay? <laughs> I'm hoping Maybe so. Maybe Teacher you Bryant were, were, should
2: get a raise this year. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Okay. <laughs> hey, so, yeah, that's what I'm talking I'm, about. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you're here, Bryant. Uh, I admired you when you were a student at Hope and for uh, all the things that you did. and. You know, your life did speak to the Hope College community, and so uh, I'm no different than a lot of people. I'm pleased to be able to share this with you, but there are a lot of people in my experience who stand up for the good and the right and the just, and you're one of them at Hope, and I'm so pleased that you're at Helen Christian.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. bolvin appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening, folks. Join us not next Wednesday, but the following Wednesday for a conversation with co-Bible teacher Devin Scott. As always, if you have questions or suggestions, you can email bruss, B-R-U-S-S, at hollandchristian.org. And if you have complaints, you can email Cam Hawk. Thanks so much.